we're glad you're here. I'm glad to see all of you. This is week two in a series, The Long Run. We skipped last week uh, in the series so we could hear from the godly moms at New Stanton Church. Uh, I was blessed. I hope you were as well. Uh, the focus of this series is living in such a way that our faith outlives us. We are in this for the long haul. Uh, the life of faith is not a sprint. It is more like a marathon. And life is not just about us. It's, it's a calling to pass that faith on to the next generation. So this morning, we're going to talk about some biblical financial principles. Uh, it, it won't be that dry, I hope, uh, that we can model to bless those who come after us. And I'm going to lean heavily on some material from Dave Ramsey uh, and Joe Sangle and, and also my parents. Uh, Dave Ramsey, as many of you know, is from Financial Peace Institute. Uh, Joe Sangle wrote the book, I Was Broke, But Now I'm Not. And we offer a class here. Uh, if you have not taken that class, I highly recommend you taking it the next time it is offered. Uh, on a personal note, I was raised in a new Christian home. My parents accepted Jesus when I was about six years old, and from that moment on, my parents tried to live biblical principles in their life in absolutely every part of their life. Uh, they hosted a small group in their home. Uh, it was a, a small mobile home, but they used to gather uh, in the front living room, uh, which was rather small, but everybody would pack in there and study the Word of God together, and they studied things like uh, parenting, worship, how to handle crisis, finances, just to name a few. It was amazing growing up in a family that was learning to be more like Jesus because God transformed my family, and it was a miraculous transformation. God literally put my parents' marriage back together. Uh, they were separated at the time, and God made a miracle out of our family. Uh, many of you are probably aware that financial stress is the number one cause of divorce in our culture today. Financial stress leads to conflict, communication breakdown, intimacy issues, just to name a few. And the Bain household, when I was growing up, had its share of financial stress. Uh, who, who else here remembers growing up with, without a whole lot? Uh, okay, a number, a number of you were in that same boat. Well, it was no different from, from our family. My dad uh, recently retired from General Electric. And General Electric, if you remember, uh, during the 70s and 80s, went through hard times with the gas crisis. And my dad was always getting laid off. And things would get really, really tight when he wasn't working. I remember that we kept the heat so low in our mobile home that occasionally, when the temperature dripped in eerie PA, <laughs> so it, it occasionally dripped uh, and dipped down quite often, our pipes would freeze and my dad would break out the hair dryers and the, electric, or the propane torches to uh, unthaw the pipes in the mobile home. Uh, during the winter, occasionally, we could actually see our breath in the mobile home. That's how cool my parents kept it to save money. And my, my mom used to turn the burners on on the stove just to 
get the chill out of the air while we ate breakfast, huddled around uh, the table in the morning. Uh, as a dad with three kids, I can't imagine the financial stress a situation like that would cause on the whole family. And I understand now that I'm older why there was more stress in the Bain household than I would have cared to like. Uh, my dad used to pull my brother and I aside and say, hey, you're going shopping with your mother. Don't ask for anything, because we can't afford it. And you make her feel bad when you ask. I would hate to have to say such things to my kids, but it was just the way things were. Mom actually made her own breakfast cereal, crackers, donuts, bread. Everything was made from scratch growing up. Uh, the cookies were wonderful, by the way. If you ever get a chance to eat my mom's cookies, there is nothing better. But she also sewed uh, a lot of our clothing. So I'm gonna show you some pictures of some shirts that my mom made. Now keep in mind, this is from the 70s, as you laugh at this chubby little fat kid in these pictures. So that's my, me on the left, my brother, and my mom made both of those fine shirts. And that's my little sister, Sarah. The next one, yeah, look at it. You, my mom made that shirt, and I used to love that shirt. I wore it like every single Sunday, and I'm sure that's where I'm dressed to go. The next one, <laughs> um, yeah, my brother and I got footballs, and I, the only thing I can think of is I was trying to put on my best football face uh, to go with that nice shirt. <laughs> I left my brother out because his shirt of that version was pink, and I'm not sure that he would want that seen by anyone, although I sent it to his son this week. <laughs> It was not an easy time in the Bain household, but I think as I look back, uh, I am so glad that I experienced my parents figuring out how to be godly and apply the word of God to their lives, even when times were hard. Uh, Mom and dad never stopped tithing. They never stopped giving uh, to things above their tithe. They modeled that God came first in absolutely everything. Uh, I know that we went without, I know we sacrificed. Uh, as a family, we didn't take vacations like other families did. We would go visit relatives in New York like every summer, that was vacation. And when dad got laid off, uh, and that happened a lot uh, in the 70s and early 80s, dad would start mowing yards in the mobile home park we grew up in he started doing house roofs and, and decks. And my brother Brian, in that picture, and I, we cut teeth on picking up shingles and cutting caps for the roofs that my dad did. Uh, at the age of 11, I had my own lawn mowing business. I had 33 customers at the age of 11 because dad got called back to work. And he came to me and he said, listen, if I get laid off again, I cannot lose the income from these yards. While I'm back at work, you can have the money. But if I get laid off, like I'm doing those yards again. So somebody has to do them. Well, that was, that was like this somebody. Uh, by the time we were 14, my brother and I were laying shingles right beside my dad, doing roofs, uh, sun up to sun down. Over time, my parents' faithfulness to the Lord resulted in the blessings of God. They got out of debt. They bought a house. 
They took a 30-year mortgage and paid their house off in seven years. And as I look at my parents today, where they're at financially, I cannot believe the way things used to be. And if I wasn't, if I, if I hadn't have been there, uh, I wouldn't believe that myself. But I was there, so I know different. What hasn't changed over the years is their level of faithfulness. And as your pastor, I, when I hear your stories, after taking the class, I was broke, but now I'm not. Or when I hear people talk about taking the leap of faith and obedience to tithe, I get excited. Uh, and occasionally, I, I actually get choked up because I was that kid. I was that kid that saw his parents put God first in absolutely everything, even when it was hard. Now, I know in spite of all the challenges and sacrifices that you make, that your kids will always respect your putting God first, because I was that kid. So what I want to do this morning is look at a few biblical principles that will enable that next generation to become biblically wise, money-smart adults who can pass the faith on to the next generation. These are things that my parents taught me as I was growing up, and I hope you teach them to your kids and grandkids as well. We're going to look at three, not four. I know your notes say four, but I reduced it to three. So number one, if you're taking notes, uh, we are in this for the long run. If we're in this for the long run, the next generation needs to know that God owns it all. Psalm 24, one says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, period. Every blessing, everything comes from God. But we live in a culture that reinforces what every young kid thinks anyway, that the world revolves around them. Now, I love kids. I love my kids. And there is nothing that, that I wouldn't do for my kids if it was in their best interest. But I am not gonna let the inmates run the insane asylum, if you know what I mean. Um, somebody, this somebody, has to teach them that God owns it all. And that knowledge takes kids out of the spotlight. Because when you are aiming at pleasing God, when you understand that God owns everything, that you're just managing it for him, your perspective on life changes. It's not that you're handling your money God's way. It's that you're handling God's money God's way. Because he owns everything. It's just on loan to us for a time. Uh, Dan McFerrin is here today, and J Dan McFerrin jokes all the time that, that my pickup truck isn't really my pickup truck. It is the church's pickup truck, because everybody is, somebody is always borrowing the truck. Well, Dan, you have no idea. Uh, it was a different truck, but uh, at the previous church I was at, uh, the church had a yard sale, and... Uh, an African-American guy bought a TV, and it was one of those huge flat-screen TVs that weighed like 300 pounds. You know the TVs that I'm talking about? Well, it wouldn't fit in he and his girlfriend's car. And I handed him the key to the truck, and I said, take my truck, and when you're done dropping the TV off, bring it back. And he looked at me, and he said, you're going to let me take your truck? I said, sure. He said, 
you don't know me. I reached out my hand and I said, I'm Pastor Steve. <laughs> yes, he took my truck and yes, he brought my truck back. He looked shocked because I bet people were more distrusting of him just because of the color of his skin. I showed him Jesus. What a God thing to do with something that's just on loan from God anyway, because it's not really my truck. It's God's truck, it's the church's truck, as Dan likes to say. My prayer is that my kids see and learn that God owns everything. And we just get to borrow it for a little bit. And God has purposes for the things that he has blessed us with. Number two, if you're taking notes, if we are in this for the long run, the next generation needs to know the value of work. Proverbs 13, four says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. The diligent, the hardworking, will prosper and be satisfied. Then the next generation needs to know the value of work. Money does not grow on trees, and it does not come from the back pocket of mom and dad. Uh, as a kid, I absolutely loved working with my dad. I love spending time with him. I do to this very day. But I also liked working for my dad because I got paid. Uh, I like to say that my dad worked us like dogs and paid us like men. Because as a kid, doing roofs, back in the 70s and 80s, I made 100 bucks a day working for my dad. He worked us like dogs, sun up to sundown. But he paid us like men. And we learned the value of a dollar. I learned that through hard work and the gifts and talents that God has given us, we can accomplish things together and we can glorify God with the money that he has given us. Now, when a kid, when your kids, when my kids start working and making money, they're gonna need some guidance on a few things because the first thing a kid learns when they start making money is how to spend it. Uh, which is awesome, and, and kids should enjoy the possibilities that come from earning money. But as they spend it, they will also learn that money has limits. When it's gone, it's gone. So they actually need to learn how to prioritize their spending, which leads to the second thing that I think kids need to learn, and that is they also need to learn to save, because when money's gone, money's gone. Proverbs 21.20 says, the wise store up food and olive oil, but fools gulp down theirs. Wise people save things. Foolish people consume everything. Teach your kids to save. Teach them to work. Teach them to set goals. Teach them the value of delayed gratification. Third, in relation to money that kids make, they need to learn to give. Scripture says that we were made in the image of God. God is a giver by nature. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So if we were made in the image of God, we were created to be givers. When a child learns to give, it gives a foundation for the rest of their life. 
Uh, my parents taught us to, to give to the Lord and save by a bank system. Uh, they were actually old vitamin bottles, uh, and we had two. One was a save bank, and one was a set, spend bank. And the tithe always came off the top. The rest we divided between the save and the spend bank. And when we got a little bit older, that save bank became an actual bank. But saving and giving taught me to prioritize so that I could use the blessings of God for God. I, I got to be a giver like God gave. And so my heart began to change. And I, I'm, again, I'm praying that as my kids learn these lessons, that their hearts change too. The third principle this morning, if we are in this for the long run, we need to teach the next generation that contentment is the antidote. We live in a culture that is never satisfied. And materialism runs amok, and all of us battle it because it's everywhere. And, and I am not against having nice things. I am against worshiping nice things. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. The biggest idol in our culture is just stuff. And again, I'm not against having stuff. I'm against worshiping stuff. Contentment is amazing. I'm sure you've heard the saying that content people don't always have the best of everything. But they make the best of everything. Contentment is about your perspective on the blessings of God. It's being satisfied with the blessings that you have and not wanting more. Contentment is simply saying, I am blessed by God. Discontentment always adds a but to that statement. I am blessed by God, but <laughs> there's this next thing. I don't know how you teach contentment to kids, but gratitude is an aspect of it. Teach your kids to be grateful for what they have and contentment will come. Gratitude is saying please and thank you and meaning it. Gratitude is knowing that you're not entitled to something more, that everything we have is a gift from God. We just get to use our stuff for a period of time in the setting that God has placed us. And one day, Somebody else will own all of my guns. One day, my wife or my kids will sell all of my tools. One day, I'm not going to get to use them in New Stanton. And with that sobering knowledge, I could hold on tighter to those things, or I could use them as the temporary gifts and blessings of God for this season, for his glory. I can share the blessings of God here and now, you can't take anything with you either. And this is not our forever home. That isn't even of this world. As we run the long run of faith, we need to understand that more is caught than taught. And the next generation is watching us. These principles need taught, but they need modeled in our lives. And the hard part that we are learning as our kids get older, because they're not running around in that preteen age, we now have three teens in our house, is that we need to let them go. 
the goal of parenthood is to let go. When, when kids are under your roof, it's almost like they're on a rope. And when they're little, you don't let them go far because they wander and every, they need taught absolutely everything. But as our kids grow, we give them more and more slack on that rope. And the only time we rein it in is when they make a mistake or need to learn a lesson. And for you small kids at home or your teens that are still under your parents' roof, that's our job as a parent. The goal of parenting is to live in such a way that the next generation can run with God holding the rope on their own. And we just have to trust that you're gonna run in such a way that someone else will be able to run the race of faith because of your example too. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I actually was that kid and Jesus transformed my family. No family is perfect, but God gives us enough second chances and do-overs that our faith can, in fact, outlast us. To the next generation, we pray that you choose life. Let's pray. God, we ask that as you enter our lives and our kids' lives and in a way that God is just real and transformational. We pray that, that our family at New Stanton Church, that, that this family tree would be grounded in you so that the next generation can run the long run of faith. And this morning as we're praying, I'm wondering how many of you want to run in a way that you can let go of the rope for your grandkids, your kids, for the kids in Sunday school, that we can, we can pass on and model this faith, that they learn these lessons while they're young. And if you wanna live in such a way that you can let go of the rope and pass on freedom instead of chains, would you go ahead and just lift a hand this morning? Amen. God, I want to pray for these parents, for these role models, for these grandparents, that God, as they live their life, as they model their faith in front of the next generation, that your spirit would empower us to run in such a way that you receive all the glory and all the praise in your name, amen.